Hey everyone, it's Bobby Sylvester. We're going to be talking about overvalued and undervalued players today, but first I want to explain to you how you can dominate your draft with our award-winning Draft Wizard. The Draft Wizard is an incredibly helpful suite of tools that can sync directly with your draft to offer real-time pick suggestions. It's like having a hundred experts by your side to offer up advice as your draft progresses. It will automatically cross off players from your cheat sheet, give you alerts about potential ADP reaches, and it can even tell you the percentage odds that a player is going to be available for your next pick. The Draft Wizard works with all major league hosts and was voted as the best fantasy tool by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for the past two seasons. I use it for every single one of my drafts and recommend to anyone else who wants to get an edge. To check out the Draft Wizard, just head over to fantasypros.com slash draftwizard. All right, let's talk some football. Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester. As always, with Mike Tagliere. Tags, we've got 17 days left till opening kickoff, baby. Well, it's not even 17, actually, because it's Thursday. We have a Thursday night game, and that one's going to be the Patriots and the Chiefs. So we technically only have 14 days, Bobby. So, I mean, I don't know if you could tell that I'm excited or not, but I'm excited. Maybe I just can't count. Maybe that's what it comes down to. I'm (laughs) I'm really excited, though, too. Anyway, our guest today is Jim Sanis of NumberFire.com. Jim, thanks for coming back on the show, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm excited to be on here. Like like Tag said, it's a, it's a fun time. We're being so close, but that it's also like it makes you kind of urgent and it makes you kind of nervous, at least for me, to be this close to the year and having like all this like offseason prep finally like being tested, I guess, kind of. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too arrogant where I don't feel nervous, but I'm just like, <laughs> bring it on, baby. I'm so ready to show the world like my rankings are the best. And uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I was so right about Zach Zenner last year, so. Oh, good God. I mean, I mean, I was right about Tory Smith. I mean, come on. Like, duh. Everybody knew Tory Smith was going to suck, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we do have a little bit of news today to talk about. And then we've got a couple listener mailbag questions. Then we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to do overvalued and undervalued players today at each position. So Tags, what do we have for news? Well, the news, I actually, I mean, it's been a really light news day. Uh, the, I think the news coming forward, CJ Procise, uh, they were expected, uh, Procise and Rawls were expected to play. And all of a sudden, Pete Carroll now says they're not going to play this week. But right before we came on, uh, I don't know if this is like a big news break, but LaShawn McCoy said to Adam Schefter, apparently, that Colin Kaepernick's play is not worth the distraction that he comes with. What's your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, this is uh, getting a little bit dangerous here, but uh, Jim, I'll let you take this one first. I actually liked what Colin Kaepernick did last year, given the roster they had around them. There was not a ton of talent in San Francisco outside of, obviously, the immensely talented Torrey Smith. Um, outside of that, there there wasn't a whole lot cooking there, and his his number fire metrics were actually pretty solid. So I'm not sure if I'd agree with LaShawn McCoy. He is, uh, he is he knows way more about football than I would ever hope to know. <laughs> but I actually thought Colin Kaepernick wasn't that bad last year, and I think a lot of teams could benefit from having him. Like, I grew up a Jets fan. If the Jets signed Kaepernick, I'd be elated right now. When the Ravens were talking about uh, signing him, I was pretty excited for fantasy because, you know, Kaepernick's got legs on him. And yeah, I think he'd be someone who would be underrated. I'm not necessarily going to get into the politics of it. I mean, I think if you alienate 40% of a fan base, or maybe it's just 20%, I have no idea that, um, that that's not especially good. I don't think he's being blacklisted or anything. But, you know, I think the business minds in the NFL look at that and say, I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. And for me, it, it comes down to the play on the field, right? And as Jim said, he was solid last year in what they asked him to do. Granted, he had a few really bad performances as well. Uh, one in particular was against the Bears. You know, I, I happened to be yeah, back in game. Chicago yep. visiting that weekend, and I remember watching that game at a bar with a bunch of friends, and, and it was like the worst game I'd ever seen. And the thing is, like, even if you go back to 2015 when he had Anquan Bolden at his disposal, there were passes that Colin Kaepernick would miss that any pretty much NFL quarterback could make. Here's the thing. I, I, a lot of people are out there saying, you know, why did this guy have a job? Why does Chad Henney have a job? Why does Blake Bortles have a job? And Colin Kaepernick doesn't. I'll tell you why. Those guys are under contract. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, by the way, could have had a job had he wanted one. He was under contract with the 49ers. I want to say it was for $12 million this year. He opted out of his contract because he thought he was going to get more in the open market. That turns out that's a mistake. So for people saying that he, you know, he's being blacklisted and all that, it's not really fair because he's a guy that chose not to have that job. With that being said, the reason he's not being signed to this point is because he's just too much money. He's not going to accept 
backup money in terms of like I, I want to say that once free agency started, his agent like something leaked that they were looking in between you know right around fourteen million dollar range, and I don't think that was you know out of, out of you know, out of anybody's range because, you know, Mike Glennon got that money. <laughs> I probably would say that, that Colin Kaepernick deserves a job more than he does. But at the same time, if you're a franchise in the NFL, I don't care who the player is, what he stands for. It doesn't matter if he's going to help you win games. He's going to be on your, ro- he's going to be on a roster. And I just don't feel like at this point, many teams feel like he would actually help them win games. And he'd just bring more attention to the franchise or a distraction as LaShawn McCoy called it than, than actual talent. With that being said, Colin Kaepernick would be one of the best backups in the league. It's just whether or not, you know, some team is willing to take the chance on him. Yeah. So I was reading before this that Jordan Reed is pretty confident that his toe is fine. I mean, we're talking about someone coming back from a break and broken feet, breaking broken toes, everything like that is has been bad for receivers historically. But we're talking about someone who I think may be underdrafted at this point in the fifth round because every time he's been healthy, he's been 90% of Gronk and Gronk has injury t- concerns too. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, I think that Reed is kind of okay where he's going right now. He's in the middle of the fifth round, which is where his ADP is at in PPR leagues. I think that's probably appropriate. It's not a spot where... I want to actively target him, though, because there are tight ends I like more later in the draft. You know, not more relative, you know, like straight up with Reed, but like relative to draft costs. So I think it's appropriate. And if you want a big time tight end on your team, I think that getting Reed in the fifth round is totally fine. Doesn't fit my personal style, but I think that's probably, you know, that's not a bad spot for him to go. For me, Jordan Reed, it, it, it's really tough, right? Because this is a guy that was already dealing with a lot of things where if he gets one more concussion, he's probably going, it, it may be a career ender, if not, you know, at least a season ender. He's someone who has, I want to say it's some crazy amount, like seven or eight concussions that have been documented. So there was already risk coming with him. And now there's been reports all over the place. But what I'm going to go off of is what Jordan Reed actually told one of the beat reporters in Washington is that he had a fracture in his foot. They, they created special shoes for him. Uh, and apparently, you know, he's going to try and go on and this could be like a Sammy Watkins type scenario where he's trying to go out there and gut it out, but it just never really pans out for me again. He's a he's a great talent when he's on the field and you have to play him when he's out there. But I think it's just too much of a liability on my fantasy team right now where I feel like if you go down the draft board, and you look at tight ends being taken later, guys like Jack Doyle, even Martellus Bennett. I would much rather have those guys in my roster uh, than taking the risk that's associated with Jordan Reed. We've got a couple contests going on right now. Entries for the Listener League end Friday night. I'll be contacting the winners over the weekend for next week's draft. If you want to enter, email just 10 words to contest at Fantasy Pros about why we should let you in. And the Wild League settings are listed on my Twitter. It's the pinned tweet, at BobbyFantasyPro. The other contest is from PristineAuction.com, and it's for a signed Odell Beckham jersey, all you have to do to enter is subscribe and review our podcast on iTunes, then screenshot it to us at contest at fantasypros.com. Your review nets you entries into all contests for the rest of the year. Please check out Pristine Auction. They've got something for everyone, whether it's a signed helmet, signed jersey, all kinds of sports and non-sports memorabilia. They auction off hundreds of items every single day, and it's extremely easy to use. Please let them know that Fantasy Pros sent you so we can keep you doing contests like the Odell Beckham giveaway. Okay, so we've got some listener mailbag questions that I want to get to first. Uh, Mark from California. This is a really interesting league, guys. 40 teams, touchdown only, okay? And I, I don't usually talk about these obscure leagues like this because, you know, it doesn't really apply to anyone, but it's so cool I just had to share it. He wants to know, like, what kind of draft strategy do you use here? Do you just look at past red zone targets? Is it all about touches? What do you think here, Tags? I would not play in that league. <laughs> I, I I am being completely honest right now in that that is like the woat. I'm pretty sure Jim's going to agree with me on this one is that there is no draft strategy. <laughs> I, just like kind of like rolling dice, right? It is. It really is. And I guess when I play fantasy, I just the, the idea for me is to have it to be a skill game. Right. And the, the way to do that is have deeper rosters, not 40 people. Yeah, I guess for me, it kind of actually aligns with my general draft strategy, which is just to like target players on good offenses. So like, I don't care that player X had 30 red zone targets last year. It's probably because he's in a good offense. You know, if he's tied to a good quarterback, that's great. I like that. So it just kind of aligns with the way I play fantasy. So I actually don't think I'd mind it. I would not want to play in that type of league. But if I am... I think it would kind of just, you know, go along with what I'm doing. You know, Jordy Nelson, first overall pick. Let's go, baby. I can get behind a league like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, this one applies to a lot more people. It's from Nick. He says, in Mariota's last three starts, he combined to go 33 for 73. That's disgusting. 
with 428 yards in three starts, one touchdown, 39 yards rushing and two fumbles. He wants to know if this is a concern. Like everyone's talking about how hot he was during that one stretch. He finished the season just absolutely terrible, Jim. Yeah, so I think the fa- fantasy football is already a game of small samples to begin with. Like 16 games is not a large sample on which to judge a player. So I find it really hard to narrow that even more by saying, okay, Marcus Mariota didn't do well in these last three games. Because if you look back to Geno Smith's last four games, I think when he was a rookie, he looked really good. He was awesome. And we know what (laughs) Geno Smith turned out to be. I don't view that as a negative for Marcus Mariota. My concern there revolves around volume because they want to run the football. And because Mariota is so efficient, they'll probably be able to run the football quite a bit. So I think my concerns are more around volume there. I think he's fine at where he's going. I'm just not really sure if he can really exceed that by by a ton. So I don't really worry about those last three games. Mariota was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the history of college football. He has been efficient in the NFL as well. They've got great pass catchers there now. It's not a concern for me at all. Yeah, I like Mariota. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't. I'm just not going to get him in many drafts in terms of where he's going and where people would draft him. You know, he's not a guy who's going to, as as Jim mentioned, he's not going to have a ton of volume. There was one game last year where he threw for more than 295 yards. That's not that's not going to be a league winner for you. And, you know, I think he's going to be more consistent this year with the with the receiving weapons that they've supplied him with. But it's still a run first offense there there. He was He was also someone that had an extremely high touchdown percentage. We expect that to come down. I don't think his attempts are going to come up in order to make up for that. But again, I'm not I'm not against Mariota. I just I still think this is a run first team. And because of that, his volume is just not going to be there to justify where he's being drafted. It's, he's he's being taken in that, you know, anywhere from eight to 10 quarterback range. And I, I actually don't own many quarterbacks in that range at all. It's either I'm going to take one of the top five quarterbacks on my board or I'm going to wait and snag Andy Dalton later. You know, I'm looking at Mariota. It's, it's the same for me. Like, he was great during that stretch, but you also have to remember he was playing a lot of home games there. He was playing in great weather the entire time. He was playing a lot of bad defenses. He just doesn't throw enough. But then again, I'm looking at Tom Brady's career. And you you all remember Tom Brady, uh, he came out. He was really efficient at the start. They didn't throw the football a ton. And, uh, you know, he just kind of cruised along. He was one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And all of a sudden he turns 30 years old. And they just start throwing the ball a ton with him. He ends up with 4,800 yards. His previous high was 4,100. And before that, just 3,700. Mariota is so efficient. I wonder if someday they're just going to let the reins loose and he's going to turn into a superstar passer. I wish. Yeah, well, that's the thing. <laughs> I, is wish just, I don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. agree. They have the they have the offensive line to do that, but when you have DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, yeah. it's just not the wisest thing to do. And yeah, and on top of that, they really do want to hide their bad defense. Like they have a good front seven, they have a good run defense, but their secondary is still like extremely suspect. Adoree Jackson hasn't I mean, I'm I, I do I think he's going to be a solid player? Maybe, but I, I don't think he's going to come in day one and make an impact. And that's what he's going to be asked to do. He's going to be asked to cover Amari Cooper in week one. And Amari Cooper is going to teach the rookie lessons. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they'll put him on Michael Crabtree because Michael Crabtree has just been their best receiver. Oh, over the last stop years. it. I hope they do because Amari <laughs> Cooper is going to eat regardless, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. We, we did a, a shindig chat, which is a, a video chat. We did it for the premium subscribers on Fantasy Pros. And we had two questions where the, it was Amari Cooper or someone else. And I answered Amari Cooper both times and Tag answered the other ones both times. It was so weird. Like ever since the eclipse, the whole world has just changed, I guess. <laughs> it kind of is. And I remember one of the, the one question, it was Melvin Gordon or Amari Cooper. And the other one was, uh, I want to say it was Leonard Fournette. Well, it was in a PPR league. PPR league, it's a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's, it's close. And that's the thing is I do believe in Mari Cooper. I still do think that Michael Crabtree, but you know, he's going to score touchdowns. I'm not going to say Crabtree is going to just go away. But uh, Amari is if you're going to bet on someone to be a breakout wide receiver in that second or third round, Amari Cooper's the guy. Yeah, it's a, he's a pretty good bet for that. I, I agree with you. I've come around. Uh, anyway, we are going to talk about overvalued and undervalued players. Same way we've been doing it. We're going to go one position at a time. We're going to start at wide receiver this time. And so, Jim, why don't you give us, uh, we'll start with one undervalued player, and then we'll go one overvalued player after we make it all the way around. Yeah, it seems like this guy's always undervalued. It's Emmanuel Sanders. He, last year, before he got hurt, you know, he missed week 17 with the with the Broncos, but last year before then, he had a 26% target market share before that week 17 game. And Trevor Simeon showed last year that he is 
more than competent enough to support two fantasy viable receivers. So I'm not saying that I prefer Manny over Demarius Thomas. I'm saying I like them both. And right now, Emmanuel Sanders is wide receiver 34, which to me is bonkers. There should not be a guy at wide receiver 34 who has a 25% target market share in a decent offense. The Broncos upgraded big time on their offensive line this offseason. Simeon is back there. I see no reason not to snag Emmanuel Sanders wherever I can. Yeah, I mean, the expert consensus has Emmanuel Sanders all the way up at 26, which over number 34 is a big old leap. I think that should tell you guys at home, you guys and gals, that um, Emmanuel Sanders is underrated. All the experts agree here, Tags. I'm not huge on Sanders. Now, do I think he's a little undervalued? Sure. Uh, but I think he's too streaky for and, and the thing is, there's not enough big streaks, whereas like, you know, we talk about Brandon Cooks and the fact that he's going to be a little bit up and down. I think he's going to be more up than down, whereas Emmanuel Sanders going back and looking at his game logs from last year, he's someone there was four games where he scored more than eight fantasy points in standard leagues. Outside of that, I mean, like those were big games. Two of them accounted for a majority of his production. The one game against Cincinnati and then the, uh, the other one against Kansas City, which was on national TV, which people kind of go back to. The targets in the beginning of the year, it seemed like he was the favorite of Trevor Simeon, whereas the year went on and it became Demarius Thomas. I also now, Jim, have you heard, you know, Demarius Thomas was saying, you know, well, look, we want to know who the starting quarterback is so that we have time to prepare with them. Whereas Emmanuel Sanders, I want to say that he was rooting for Paxton Lynch in that competition. Does that do anything for you? Do you think that, you know, that I'm not saying that players will play favorites, but at the same time, if you're a quarterback, you kind of distribute the ball. So, I mean, what would you take away from that? I mean, based on what we saw from Simeon last year, I would assume it won't be an issue. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders had at least 10 targets in, I think it's six games out of the 15 that he played, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a huge number. He had 13 in two of those. He had 14 in week 14. So he was still a presence there, even when, you know, Uh, DT did get more targets towards the end of the year, they were still feeding Manny. So I think that Trevor Simeon, based on what we saw last year, is a guy who is going to throw it to his best player, which is probably what you should do. And so (laughs) I don't want to change my thought process around that based on what Emmanuel Sanders may or may not have said. So uh, for me, it's not really an issue. Uh, I think that, you know, even if he does see a slight downtick in targets, he's still going as wide receiver 34, which to me is just beyond, uh, beyond undervaluing what he can do. So it doesn't really bother me too much based on what Simeon did last year. Yeah. Okay, Tags, who's your undervalued wide receiver? All right. I'm trying to get his name out on as many podcasts as I can right now uh, because I just feel like I haven't propped him up enough because his ADP is still outside the top 30 wide receivers. And that's Stefan Diggs. He's someone I would take over Emmanuel Sanders. You know, Stefan Diggs is a player that he's able to be used in so many different ways. You know, some people pigeonholed him into the slot receiver and that Pat Shermer, once he took over, Stefan Diggs was playing, it was, I think, 82% of his snaps out of the slot. And that was obviously an issue because you're not going to see massive upside in his game. With that being said, we've had the entire offseason to learn. Pat Shermer was kind of thrown into the fire. He moved Diggs there. He just, I think he felt, get get his playmaker the ball as much as possible. And he kind of fit what Sam Bradford was doing. I don't think they're going to stop him from going in the slot, but we've heard rumblings even today. It came out that Adam Thielen has been seeing some time in this slot this summer. That makes tons of sense to me because Stefan Diggs, as I mentioned, he's more than just a slot receiver. He's more than that possession receiver. I have made the argument in my player profile on him that he should be taken around the guys like Jarvis Landry and Golden Tate, you know, those slot receivers, because I think Diggs comes with much more upside than those two do because he he can beat you deep and he will beat guys deep. His route running is phenomenal. Bradford doesn't have the greatest arm, but he can he can get it downfield from time to time. So for me, Stefan Diggs at 31, I he's not like the most uh, undervalued player, but I, I, I'm trying to get his name out there because I feel like you should try and get him on as many rosters as you can because he's he's ultra cheap. And I think he's a guy that has actual top 12 wide receiver potential. Jim, what do you think about Stefan Diggs? I love him. I actually have him in my top 20 uh, as far as wide receivers go. And I Whoa. would agree. I would take him above Emmanuel yep. Sanders. He is wow. in my top 20 at wide receiver. And you were mentioning Sam Bradford and his arm. That's a concern. But at the same time, he was the fourth best passer based on expected points per deep attempt last year, based on number fires metrics, the fourth best passer in the league on deep targets. A lot of those were to Adam Thielen. He was kind of the bigger deep threat within the offense. But if Diggs gets more reps outside, he could certainly step into that role as well. Stephon Diggs, when he was healthy last year, he was amazing. And I would assume he'll step into a large target market share. If that offensive line can stay healthy, specifically Riley Reef, who has missed a lot of time in camp this year. Mm-hmm. 
if they can stay healthy, it means more deep pass attempts. More deep pass attempts means more upside for Stephon Diggs. So I'm kind of buying this entire offense, and Diggs is a big part of that. Have you guys seen the Vikings schedule? This is a thing of beauty. It is absolutely amazing. Listen to this. Saints, Steelers, Buccaneers, Lions, Bears, Packers, Ravens, Browns, Redskins, Rams, (laughs) Lions, Falcons, Panthers— Bengals, Packers, Bears, there are no good pass defenses in that entire schedule. Yeah, it's he's, he's got one of the best schedules in the league, and I've talked about that too in terms of, you know, nobody wants to talk about strength of schedule, but I will continue to talk about wide receivers in this light because, you know, just like wide receivers, we know year over year, we know what their talent is, we know what cornerback talent is. Doesn't, you know, the entire defense, things can change, but we know cornerback talent. And Stephon Diggs, he arguably doesn't have a shutdown corner on his, on his schedule, <laughs> and especially when they move him into the slot, he he's not a lot of a lot of cornerbacks don't travel into the slot and he's and it's a mismatch for them. It's it's a problem. And Bobby, one of the things that people are kind of overlooking, too, is that this Vikings offense moved more towards like a West Coast offense where they were passing quite a lot uh, over the final 11 games. Sam Bradford hit 40 more 40 or more attempts. I want to say it was six or seven times. Uh, so. Dalvin Cook arriving there should lighten up the load uh, on their wide receivers. Corderell Patterson left. He had 70-some targets last year. Uh, Adam Thielen, I don't think anybody thinks that Adam Thielen is going to be a world beater or anything like that. So for me, Stephon Diggs is a guy that should be on plenty of your fantasy rosters. Diggs is quite athletic, and I'll admit I've been pretty low on him this entire preseason just because the consistency wasn't there. But, you know, Tags, your consistency article really changed my mind quite a bit. You know, no wide receiver is especially consistent. And Diggs was playing through injuries for most of the season. I think at some point during the season, everyone's going to say, wow, this Stephon Diggs, he is a breakout receiver because this schedule is so easy. And also, he's just such an extreme athlete. Playing out of the slot is a huge advantage. Keep in mind, Sam Bradford has never, until this year, had the same offensive coordinator two years in a row. Hmm. Well, welcome to the club, Bobby. It's good to have you aboard the Stefan Diggs train. <laughs> and then, Jim, I love the fact that you said he's a top 20 wide receiver for you. That's bold, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, he's pretty easily there, too. Like, I, I don't even fret about that too much. I, I'm, I'm very happy with having him there. So who do you have him above? Like, Golden Tate, I'm assuming, Tyreek Hill. Do you have him above, like, Alshon Jeffrey and Allen Robinson? He is two slots behind Alshon. Uh, he's ahead of Terrell Pryor. He's ahead of Keenan Allen. Um, he is ahead of Devontae Adams. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to find guys who are by him in ADP. Uh, he's ahead of Willie Sneed. I, I, he's not. <laughs> uh, he's ahead of Martavis Bryant. Um, it's just a lot of random guys. He's my 17th guy on the board right now, uh, if that gives you any gauge. I mean, I, that's about the ceiling. I, I could see him doing better than that, but... Um, you know, I could see him being above each of those guys. I don't have him that high. I've got him all the way at 25, which is higher than his ADP, but I think right, you, right. you guys are a little I think little that's like the point. trend. The trend here is that we all have him above his ADP, which, which yeah. is kind of like the definition here for undervalued. So I, I'm totally on board with the Stefan Diggs hype. Yeah, for sure. And if Jim's ha- Jim, just because you have him at 17, it doesn't mean you need to draft him there. That's the luxury. Oh, no, no, no. Exactly. Oh, no, 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 no. not. And no. That's the thing. That's why I wanted to make that point is just because you have him there doesn't mean you need to draft him there. It's just know your league mates, know their perception on digs. And if you have, to, I- I'm willing to reach a round early on players. It's very rare that you'll catch me going two rounds early on a player. I think that's for later in the draft when ADP varies so much. But guys like digs, I think if you reach a round, you'll end up with them more often than you won't. Uh, so yeah, I. Yes, I yeah, I think you, I think you can make I think you can make the case though. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we can all be in agreement here in that once you get outside like the top 12 wide receivers, you can make a case for the next 20 guys to finish mm-hmm. like right outside that territory. And I think Diggs is atop that list and Bobby, even if Diggs plays exactly the way he did last year, he finished as the number 14 PPR wide receiver on a point per game basis. And that was while being hurt for a large right. chunk of the That's season. That's a great point. Yes. That's a good call, guys. Um, So my guy, my undervalued player is Larry Fitzgerald. He led the league in receptions last year, and he's being drafted as like the number 28 wide receiver. That's just crazy to me. Two straight years with 100 plus receptions. I know David Johnson is going to get a lot of work. I know that John Brown's coming back. I know they've got J.J. Nelson who emerged. But we're talking about someone who's a generational wide receiver. I know he's really old, but he just keeps getting it done. 
It's hard to argue with this one, man. It's just uh, Larry Fitzgerald's the type of guy where I have no issue with you drafting him, but trade him um, before the second half of the season. You know, we've seen it uh, over the last two years where his numbers have trended down as the season's gone on. So if you if you draft Fitz, you know, as, as your wide receiver too, look to trade him after maybe the first six weeks of the season, get max value, and then not have to deal with those headaches of an aging wide receiver, you know, as he's fading. Uh, but Jim, what's your take on Fitz is, you know, Bobby, I think Bobby told me he was willing to draft him as a top 15 wide receiver I would not go that high uh, I would not go that high simply because of upside and I think that that's slightly changing now because they have no one else a wide receiver right. so the volume that he will get at wide receiver will certainly kind of pump him up and give him a ceiling but I think what we've seen is that the the average depth of target on Larry Fitzgerald is so low and he does get plenty of targets so his floor is always going to be safe but he doesn't quite have the ceiling that I want if I'm talking about a top 15 wide receiver I think at his ADP, wide receiver 24, like that, that makes sense to me. Uh, but I, I'm shooting more for floor there. But for a top 15 guy, I want a person who has the ability to score, you know, 10-ish touchdowns. And I mean, that's not going to happen for a lot of guys, but I want that ability. And I'm not quite sure that Fitz has it. So yes, undervalued for me, but no, I wouldn't quite go top 15. Yeah, Fitzgerald was number 17 wide receiver last year. I, I don't have him in my top 15. He's really close to that. But yeah, I, I might need to bump him down just a little bit because I don't see him doing much better than he did last year. I just think he's an extremely safe play. Um, so I love Larry Fitzgerald this year. Now, what about overvalued wide receivers, Jim? Yeah, I, I like Terrell Pryor like as a player, and I like him a lot this year. I just think that his draft cost has gotten a bit too high for my tastes. If we're looking right now, he's at wide receiver 13 in PPR, and He's in a great offense, and I will never argue with drafting a guy who is in a great offense. Kirk Cousins has been outstanding each of the past two years, but Pryor also has to compete with Jamison Crowder, Jordan Reed for targets, Josh Doxson seems to be working his way in there too, not with the first team yet, but he's getting healthy, which is certainly good. He's a first-round pick, so I would happily take Pryor in the fourth round, but right now he's going at, at the fourth pick in the third round, and that's too rich for me based on the ambiguity we have there with who will get the targets will it be Jamison Crowder again getting a lot of targets so I like Terrell Pryor and it's it's like kind of pain for me, for me to say that he's overvalued but I think he's too expensive for my taste right now. I actually agree with you on this one. And I, I want to talk about this for a second because Terrell Pryor is such an interesting wide receiver, right? Like I initially had him outside my top 20 and then I was like, listen to a lot of people on him. And it was just like, I understand the want to bring him higher. You know, we have Josh Doxson, who is essentially coming into his rookie year. Jamison Crowder, how big of a role can he have? And, you know, you wanted to start liking him. But the thing is, I actually took a look at, and this is an article that's going to be coming out soon. I went through NFL. Uh, NFL has this thing. It's called Next Gen Stats. And and what it is, they have these chips in players' shoulder pads, and they're able to track where the player is, how many yards of separation they have. And, you know, it's for every position. I kind of go through this. But the one thing I really did take away from it is that I was somewhat undervaluing Jamison Crowder. And the reason I am is because there's an ad aggressiveness trait for quarterbacks and, and how willing they are to throw into tight coverage. It means that there's a, a defender within one yard of a player. Now, Terrell Pryor being an outside wide receiver, a perimeter wide receiver, it's not often they have a lot of separation, right? He's going to see safeties over the top. That that's just the player he is, and it's it's not like that. It's not just him. Perimeter wide receivers in general often have difficult separation. Kirk Cousins was was the second. He had the second lowest percentage in the entire NFL in throwing into tight coverage. Just fourteen percent of the just fourteen percent of the time where he threw into coverage within a yard. Where and the, the best part about this is that Jamison Crowder was near the league leaders in terms of yards per separation. Uh, when when targeted, yeah, on average, three point six yards of separation at the time <sighs> of completion and or incompletion. So. The fact that Jamison Crowder gets open, the fact that he's a slot receiver, everything kind of plays into this. So for me, I, I love it, Jim. Um, there's so much to this, and it's it's a very interesting debate. Now, Bobby, we haven't talked about Pryor in a while. Like, where have you landed on Pryor and I started Crowder? with Pryor really low. I had him about 25. Um, I watched a tape on Terrell Pryor that somebody shared on a, a, one of my Reddit AMAs. And, uh, you know, I was watching his film. And this is, you know, it's just an extreme athlete. He finds a way to get open. I understand there's not separation. But Kirk Cousins, maybe the reason that he hasn't thrown it uh, into coverage is because 
the guys that he's throwing to are, are like 5'8", like Jameis and Crowder. We're talking about someone who could be a professional basketball player probably. Terrell Pryor is an extreme athlete. He's got a huge body. And when he gets that body in front of people, there's no way a defensive back is getting around him. I just think it's a different asset for Kirk Cousins. So I've bumped him up. I still don't have him all the way up at ADP number 14. That's way too high for me. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm coming around on Pryor quite a bit. I just think he's such a great talent. I, he's the best player that Kirk Cousins has to pass to. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. And another stat, though, Bobby, and I know you know this one, is that when I did some research in terms of what Deshaun Jackson, the effect that he has on offenses, every single quarterback without Deshaun Jackson that he's played with has declined in terms of yards per attempt. So you should see something similar with Kirk Cousins this offseason now that Deshaun Jackson is gone. Um, Terrell Pryor is like the only field stretcher there. Josh Doxson, he's kind of known as a go up and get it type of wide receiver, but I don't see him breaking the top off many defenses. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I just We need to see Pryor a lot more efficient than he was last year. I can say that. So, Tags, before you do your overvalued wide receiver, we have another message from one of the sponsors of today's show. When I first heard about Playdraft Tags, I downloaded the app to see what it was all about, and I said immediately, this is the next big thing. It's going to catch on extremely quickly. And boy, was I right. Playdraft.com is dominating right now. All kinds of people are signing up. They're doing these best ball leagues. And now you can do straight drafts for week one, like the drafts we do at our season-long leagues. There's nothing better than best ball. If you haven't tried it already, try it out, sign up, and deposit, and we've got a promo code for you. Playdraft.com slash pros gets you a free entry into one of these best ball leagues. And Playdraft has made it so you can even receive notifications when Tags and I set up a draft so you can compete against us. Again, that's Playdraft.com slash pros. All right, Tag, so who is your overvalued wide receiver? My overvalued wide receiver is Julian Edelman, and it's really not even that close. Uh, I, I, I still have I'm, I'm having trouble like trying to figure out how people are still ranking him as high or taking him as high as they are. Now, the the experts aren't as high as the the general public, whereas the, the public is taking him as the 25th wide receiver off the board. Now, this is in standard formats, too. It's even higher in PPR. Now, when when the Patriots traded for Brandon Cooks, I was already concerned with Edelman's role going forward. You know, they did extend him, so he's going to be part of their plan. So I'm not willing to write him off completely. But this is a guy over the last four years. He has seen nine point seven targets per game. That's a lot like that's elite level territory. Keep in mind that Rob Gronkowski has missed a lot of time in between those four years. They didn't really have a number one wide receiver to throw to like they do with Brandon Cooks now. And not that he's a prototypical number one, but he is going to lead their team in targets or should. Gronkowski is back. They've added a lot of other options out of the backfield. They've added some wide receivers. They have some depth there at the position. So to see Julian Edelman being drafted as 25th, it blows my mind because even with all those targets that he's seen over the last four years, he has never finished higher than the number 18 wide receiver in fantasy football, despite playing with Tom Brady. So, you know, for people drafting him as a low end wide receiver two, high end three, it kind of blows my mind for me, you know, with Edelman, I have him as my number 35 wide receiver, and I, I I know having him there, I'm not going to end up with him on any of my teams. I just can't put him over guys like Pierre Garçon, you know, even Emmanuel Sanders, Jeremy Macklin. Those are guys that I would take over Julian Edelman every single time. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Those are real good numbers, and uh, I think people who draft him that high are really going to regret it. There's just not much of a ceiling there. And the floor is quite low because he gets hurt so often. So, yeah, I've got all kinds of people above him. Devontae Parker, Jeremy Macklin, as you mentioned. Uh, I'd even go up and get John Brown, depending on what happens with this injury. Um, And I know you're a big John Brown fan, too. But Edelman is in that range for me, right around the 100th, 110th pick. And he's being drafted much, much higher. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, I, I agree with that because if you look at Julian Edelman, it's he and uh, Jarvis Landry are the two most volume dependent receivers in the league. Essentially, you know, two slot guys who are good fantasy assets because of the volume that they see. But neither of them will probably see the same volume this year. Edelman because Gronk is healthy. Uh, they've got Brandon Cooks there, so that you kind of reduce that for Edelman. And then for Jarvis Landry, are they going to throw the football ever? So uh, I think that for both reasons, I think they're both kind of similar to me where I'm out on them at their current costs, and Edelman especially. I mean, it's just so hard to figure out how he'll get targets in that offense, and that's what he needs to be a fantasy viable wide receiver. For sure. Bobby, who is your who is your guy that you're looking at at overvalued at the position? 
for me, it's DeAndre Hopkins, and it's not even close. I think he's the most overvalued player in fantasy football. I just can't believe it. When I'm looking at ADP and ECR, by the way, ECR means expert consensus rankings. We've got Brandon Cooks, number 12, okay? Brandon Cooks, I love. He finished number seven last year among wide receivers. He only had 117 targets. He was playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback in a crowded wide receiver core. So why does it get worse? He, he's extremely young, so he's probably getting better, too. They gave up quite a bit to get him. And then you've got DeAndre Hopkins going one spot lower than him for wide receivers. This is someone who has Tom Savage as his quarterback. Someone who played 16 games last year and finished as the number 37 wide receiver behind Brandon LaFell. And you guys are going to draft him as the number 13 wide receiver. Are you kidding me? No, I don't have him in my top 20. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean... He's, he's a quality talent, but Tom Savage, number 37, come on. Yeah, this is a concern. Uh, Jim, what's your take on DeAndre Hopkins before I give my take? Yeah, I think the quarterback situation is bad, and that's concerning. But at the same time, as long as Dwayne Brown ends his holdout at some point, which is not a given at this point, uh, it seems kind of bad there, to be fully honest. Uh, but Dwayne Brown could be back. Uh, Nick Martin was their second-round pick in 2016. He was hurt before the season started last year, missed the entire year. So when Tom Savage came in there he was you know I mean Dwayne Brown is back by them but they didn't have their center still it wasn't a good situation up front and what that does is it saps the offensive touchdown potential and that's going to hurt everyone in that offense so that hurts Hopkins I think not having Will Fuller uh, Braxton Miller's dinged up as well I think he's gonna see like a 30% target market share again and to me that's as a high floor I'm just not really sure what the ceiling is here you know based on the quarterback play so I actually don't hate him where he's going, uh, so I'm, I think I'm actually higher on DeAndre Hopkins than you may be, Bobby. I understand the concerns, too, so I, I can't disagree too heavily. I just think that I'm more okay with him due to the volume he'll see. Well, that's the thing. He did see the volume last year, too. He saw 151 targets, and it's hard to argue that Tom Savage is an upgrade over anyone. Uh, Tom Savage, by the way, has still yet to throw an, a touchdown pass in the regular season. He's thrown 92 pass attempts. He has still yet to throw a NFL touchdown. So to see the him walking in as a starter, it's a concern, right? I do think that the volume is going to continue to be there for Hopkins. We just got word today that Jalen Strong, the guy who was supposed to start week one, you know, while Will Fuller is on the bench, uh, that Jalen Strong is suspended for the first week for some some substance abuse thing. I don't know what it was. I just ver- caught it right before the show. Uh, but, it, it, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that I'm not drafting on any of my teams because of all the concerns that come with him. Not not only Tom Savage, but let's pretend that Deshaun Watson takes over as quarterback. You know, Rich Rebar, you know, we've had Rich on the show before. He did an article on how rookie quarterbacks affect pass catchers. In short, since 2001, we're talking over, you know, this is like seven, 16, 17 years. There have been just five top 12 wide receivers who were tied to rookie quarterbacks. So you're telling me that the guy who finished as the number 37 wide receiver last year, who's going to start the season with Tom Savage and maybe go to Deshaun Watson, a rookie quarterback is going to finish around the the number 13 wide receiver where he's being taken. No. I mean, if he falls around, you know, that, that area with the guys like Sammy Watkins, Alshon Jeffrey, Martavis Bryant. Yeah. I I could see the case there because there's questions about a lot of those guys, but taking him over guys like Devontae Adams, who's tied to Aaron Rodgers, taking him over Brandon cooks. No, no. All right, guys, let's move over to running backs. And uh, Jim, you get to go first here. Uh, for undervalued, it's Rex Burkhead for me. Mike Gillisley ret- did return to practice this week. So that's a positive. And Burkhead has missed a few practices too. But I think that my thought process with the Patriots right now is I just want the lowest hanging fruit in this offense. And right now, that's Rex Burkhead. He's going in the, the 11th round at the back end of the 11th round, actually. And it could wind up being a committee, but I'm kind of like, whatever. You know, I just want to take stabs at this offense. Burkhead going in the 11th, it's a, an added bonus, too, that he was using the passing game in the preseason, too. So in the 11th, I love Burkhead. I love, I love Darren Sproles, too. So I think that round is just a great round for running backs. But Burkhead is my guy because the upside there could be pretty spicy. I uh, Rex Burkhead is uh, is a guy that's going to contribute on some special teams. Uh, you know, when the Patriots signed him, it was it was very interesting because, you know, Blunt was gone and they didn't really have that one two down back when they went out and got Mike Gillisley. It kind of closed that dream. Uh, I, I, I know it didn't for Evan Silva. Evan is still is still all over him. Uh, but at the same time, for me, Burkhead is just he's a guy and 
this is a Patriots offense that is going to be difficult to project every week. And let alone he, he a lot of the things that he does are similar to maybe someone like Deion Lewis, who's been on the team. I think James White is a better receiving option than anybody else on that team. Gillisley is obviously the best runner. Everything that we're basing Burkhead off of for the people that are Burkhead supporters, they're basing it off a week 17 game against the Baltimore Ravens who were out of the playoff race, who were not playing a bunch of starters. And, you know, I'm not saying Burkhead's not a solid running back. I'm just saying that for what the Patriots paid for him, I'm not too interested. I guess I'd rather at that point pick someone that's part of a high scoring offense. You know, I not the Patriots obviously are, but one that would be more predictable on a week to week basis. Like, you know, someone like, uh, let's say Jamal Williams from Green Bay. I'd rather take him than someone like Rex Burkhead. I guess like my perspective on on Rex Burkhead is uh, the counter to that would be that he is just a guy, but he's just a guy who was the second most efficient runner in all of football last year based on success rate, which is a number fire stat. He was second behind Mike Gillisley. So I will put that out there. So they were the top two guys. Uh, but Burkhead, I think, was brought in for a reason. And that's why I think that it just with the cost being so low and Gillisley missing this much time, to me, it's kind of a no-lose proposition, I guess. That's kind of why I wind up on him quite often. So basically, you're saying Bill Belichick is just like stalking your stats. Yeah, totally. No, I, I, we uh, obviously Bill Belichick at Hotmail.com is within our databases uh, and, you know, just uh, <laughs> pilfering all the stats. So we see a coach. You know, um, I really do like uh, like Mike Gillisley, but it is Bill Belichick. I don't think that Burkhead is going to start. I don't think he's going to start once this entire season, but there's definitely a chance. And it's a chance in a great offense. You know, Stephen Ridley used to not even be a guy. And then he turned into a top 12 running back overnight. I could see Rex Burkhead doing that. So I like his uh, his ADP right now. There's other guys I like more in that range. I'm drafting James Conner ahead of him. You mentioned Jamal Williams. Tags, I like him more. But yeah, I, I dig the pick. Tags, who's your guy? So at running back, if we want to go and look at undervalued guys, you know, I've talked about Carlos Hyde a lot, but I don't want to go too much into him. I feel like I've talked about him before and the reason why he should be drafted much higher than he is. He's taken as the 17th running back off the board. I mean, guys, seriously, stop, like, like move him up your rankings. Like he's, he's good. Very good at football. But one player I'm going to go, I'm going to go further down the list, kind of like Jim did. And I'm going to say Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think that it's going to take some time for him to, to be the running back. He's being drafted as in dynasty leagues. You know, he's going off the board usually as like the seventh or eighth rookie off the board. And I've compared him to, to someone like Jamal Charles. His speed doesn't necessarily show up in a 40-yard dash, but once he gets up and he gets going, it, it's almost like instantaneous, right? You just All of a sudden, you just start seeing him move really fast. We saw it when he broke his long run in the preseason last week, uh, but think about this for a second. He's being taken as the 69th running back off the board. Just last year, Travaris Cadet finished as the number 61 running back. Now, I'm not saying that you want to draft someone who's finishing as the RB61, but Kamara is obviously an upgrade over Cadet. They've obviously used him in the preseason. They're going to use him as a wide receiver. They lost Brandon Cooks. They replaced, I mean, Ted Ginn came in. He's not going to fill that role that that Brandon Cooks did. Alvin Kamara is more suiting that role. I think he's more of a receiver than people kind of understand. And I think he's going to take some work away from Willie Sneed out of the slot. So, and then on top of that, we can't pretend that there's a non-zero percent chance that someone like, you know, 31-year-old Adrian Peterson or Mark Ingram, who has been injured throughout a lot of his career, that one of them guys gets hurt. And then it's forced to bring Kamara in there. It's a high-scoring offense. I do think they're one of the more predictable ones once, you know, once you take someone away from that death chart, where if, you know, if something happened to Peterson or Ingram, I think you could lock Kamara in there every single week as a starting flex. So to see him going as the 69th running back off the board... It's hard for me to find even 45 running backs who should be going ahead of him in terms of the upside he presents with that late of a pick. I have no problem with saying he's undervalued, but I don't really think there's that much upside there because he's the number three guy. I mean, there's just other guys in that range that I like more. Marlon Mack, you talked about him last episode, lightning in a bottle behind one of the worst starting running backs in the NFL. He's got Wendell Smallwood. But he also has to get through Robert Turbin, though. So he's also the third on the depth chart for Marlon Mack. And I like Mack. Robert Turbin is a lot different than Adrian Peterson. Um, Wendell Smallwood, I think is the best running back, uh, behind he's right now he's behind LeGarrette Blunt, who again is one of the worst running backs in the league. They've got a great, uh, offensive line. And then James Conner, who's, you know, going to be a bell cow if Le'Veon Bell goes down. So I'd prefer all three of those, but yeah, I can see Kamara being underrated. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, being running back 69 means he's underrated because he is or undervalued because he's in that offense. And 
anybody in that offense is going to have insane fantasy value. But I do kind of agree with you too, Bobby. There are some other guys I like in that range. Uh, DeAndre Washington is one that comes to mind, you know, in Oakland. He's behind Marshawn Lynch. He'll probably split with Jalen Rashard if something does happen to Marshawn. But behind that offensive line, that's still going to be sweet. So there are a lot of guys who I like a bit more, D'Angelo Henderson, in that same type of range too. Uh, so I agree he's undervalued. But in that same range, there are a lot of guys I'm scooping up at the same time too. Okay, guys, my player is CJ Anderson. Right now his ADP is number 21. And I just look at someone who, you know, Tags and I have been high on CJ Anderson all preseason. This is someone who, there was quite a bit of hype last year. He was drafted quite a bit higher. He was pretty good. And he went up against the hardest schedule of strength in the NFL up until the time he got hurt. I remember telling people last year, go trade for him right now because he's about to go nuts all over these weak defenses. And then he got hurt and it's a real bummer. Um, but it also helps us this year because his stock is so low because everyone is looking back at last year and he was, you know, he was only about the same amount of efficient as, as Melvin Gordon. Um, so that's not very impressive to people. I mean, Gordon was scoring touchdowns, but CJ Anderson throughout his career has been extremely efficient. He just can't stay on the field. If he stays on the field, Remember, this is someone who was being drafted in the top five just two years ago. Yeah, and on top of that, too, that offensive line is so much better than what he had last year. So, like, for C.J. Anderson, I can't look at his efficiency stats in previous years. I don't care what they are, to be fully honest, because I think that they're tainted by the fact that their offensive line was essentially a nightmare. But they have made so many changes up front. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, Trevor Simeon. Again, I don't mind him at all as a quarterback. They've got good assets there with DT and Emmanuel Sanders. And at the beginning of last year, when C.J. Anderson was fully healthy, he was getting passing down usage too. So I like Anderson a lot. I think that he's totally fine there. I do worry about Henderson because he's looked so good. And it sounded like Devontae Booker may have been challenging at the beginning of camp, and now he's hurt. So I think Anderson has a lot of upside for where he's going. For sure. I've been all over Anderson. I have nothing more to say on this, but he's an extreme value. And I, I, I you know, going back to the Carlos Hyde thing where if you miss out, like, like Bobby, let's say you start a draft with three wide receivers. You didn't plan on it, but it just happened to be you got the best value for three wide receivers in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. You could grab Carlos Hyde, Spencer Ware and CJ Anderson, and I would be more than OK with those three running. backs. Oh, I would be so happy with those three as my as my running backs. And that's where basically where they're going in the fourth, fifth and sixth round. All right, guys, let's go overvalued running backs here, and then we'll uh, move on and do tight ends and quarterbacks real quick. Jim, you're first. Yeah, uh, Tags, I'm sorry, uh, but I do have to talk about your Chicago Bears here with Jordan Howard, <laughs> and I was worried about Jordan Howard being a second-round pick before due to the situation at quarterback on that team. You know, I'm not a huge Mitchell Trubisky guy, and then Mike Lennon even, even less so. And the positivity around Tarek Cohen just kind of amps that all the way up. Um, you know, if Howard isn't a workhorse in that offense, you'll have a guy on a team that probably isn't going to be that great who is getting just decent volume, and that's not going to cut it as a high second-round pick. So to me, with where Jordan Howard is going right now, I love him as a talent, and I can never really question that. But I worry about the touchdown upside in an offense led by Mike Glennon. So with where he's going right now as uh, the running back uh, or as at the beginning of the second round, I don't think I can do that personally. You are preaching to the choir, my friend. I, I know it's my bears and all that, but I, I, right. I didn't I didn't like Jordan Howard even before Tara Cohen looked looked as good as he has. I, I didn't like him even before Mike Glennon uh, started looking as bad as he has. Uh, I happen to be a Trubisky guy. I've been, you know, before Every you know the, before the Bears fans jumped aboard, I I I actually was okay with the Bears doing what they did, but it's sad to see that they're gonna. It, it, apparently, it's happening already when they said that they they weren't going to start him this year. Mm -hmm. But Jordan Howard is a guy that's not a pass catcher. He dropped five passes in a single game last year. He they, they, everything that the Bears have done this offseason screams we are not going to use this guy on third down. They brought in Benny Cunningham. That was an underrated signing because he's one of the better you know third down backs in the game. He he's a, he's an excellent pass blocker. Uh, Tarek Cohen. Some people. People thought that he was going to be more like a Darren Sproles. He's bigger than Sproles, and he looks pretty dang good, actually. Like, like watching him yeah, out there. Yeah, he does. And now the beat writers, the beat writers out of Chicago, are now are, are saying that he's been involved in the game plan, and his preseason performance only further extends that. That he's probably a guy who's going to see at least eight touches per game, which eats into it. And you know, you mentioned it. This is an offense that is going to be in the bottom ten. They will be a bottom 10 scoring offense, hands down. If Mike Glennon is starting, you probably want no part of any wide receiver in it. Uh, it's it's not good. <laughs> That's the best way for me to put it. So I'm actually right in sync with you. I I find myself not drafting Jordan Howard like basically anywhere. 
I haven't drafted Jordan Howard once. I don't like his ADP. I'm going to play devil's advocate here just so we don't agree on everything. I mean, Jordan Howard is still in a bad offense. They were a bad offense last year. I know Jay Cutler was there. Mike Glennon's not as good, but the offensive line isn't very good. The wide receivers weren't very good last year. They get Kevin White back at least. And I, I know not everyone's excited about Kevin White, but he's a lot better than who was it they were starting? Marquise Lee? Mar- Marquise Wilson? Marcus was Wilson, he? yeah. Marcus Wilson? Yeah. <laughs> the I mean, Jets cut him, which you have tell, that tells you anything. Yeah. And he just got cut by the Jets. Yeah. So I, Jordan Howard was extremely efficient last year when they were, you know, crowding the box a ton. He was on a horrible offense. And he is again. So. I don't really see a reason why he wouldn't be as long as he gets the opportunity. I just don't think he's worth a second round pick because you don't take chances in the second round. Yeah, I think that's just too high for me. I, I totally agree that uh, that's just like too expensive. So I, I agree with what you're saying, Bobby. I just don't want to play with fire too often and, and have it burn you here. All right, Tags, let's do your overvalued running back. My overvalued running back, I'd have to go back to Tevin Coleman. I, I have no idea why he's being drafted as the 24th running back off the board. There's there's guys that, like Paul Perkins, who has been taken as the 30th running back off the board, I'd take Paul Perkins over Tevin Coleman every single day of the week. And, you know, I, I know you, you could throw out stats from last year. I could throw stats back at you screaming that he was a touchdown-dependent play. He saw limited work. Devonta Freeman was just signed to the biggest contract a, a running back has seen. Uh, this this offseason, he's now the highest-paid running back. The Falcons felt the need to keep him in the role he was in. As the year went on, they started using Devonta Freeman more and more around the goal line, whereas Tevin Coleman relies on that big play. And the fact that Kyle Shanahan has left is going to further move Tevin Coleman down the board for me. They're not going to be running the ball. They're not, they're not going to score 28 touchdowns between the two of them or whatever it was uh, last year. It seriously puzzles me why he's being taken as the 24th running back off the board. I, I legitimately have him at number 33 in my rankings, and... I could see moving him down even more. What's the difference between him and Duke Johnson? I mean, I know I know it's a better offense. I know Coleman scored all the touchdowns last year, but Johnson's going to get more touches. He's going to get more more looks. I think so. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that you can make the case to take over Tevin Coleman. Now, I have Duke Johnson just a couple spots lower, but that's the territory he belongs in. He belongs in the territory with Derrick Henry. So if you're going to tell me that Derrick Henry's a top 24 pick, yeah, you can make the case that Tevin Coleman should be, but I really... I do not know the appeal. Am I missing something here, Jim? Yeah, if we knew that he was going to get passing down usage, which is not really Tevin Coleman's forte, then sure, I could understand taking him there because it is a good offense, stuff like that. But that's not a guarantee by any means. You know, they've got Devontae Freeman there, who is, I would assume, the better pass catching back in that offense. So you take away that from Tevin Coleman, you take away the grotesque number of red zone opportunities they had last year. And I agree, it's, it's it's hard for me to take him above guys who have the potential to be workhorse backs because Coleman's not getting there without some type of injury to Devontae Freeman. So Tevin Coleman is exactly who I was going to talk about. I'll just leave it there. We're going to go on really quick and either give us an overvalued or undervalued quarterback or tight end. And Jim, you get to go first again. Yeah, I think I'll start with Kyle Rudolph here. Uh, Looking at him as a tight end, he led all tight ends in targets last year, and he's going as the eighth tight end off the board uh, in the eighth round right now, which to me is insane. He had 26 red zone targets last year, which is more than Eric Ebron has in his entire career. Uh, (laughs) It's also the second most in the league any position. Jordy Nelson was number one there. He has good competition for targets, but that was there last year too. Stephon Diggs was there. Adam Thielen was there. I like Diggs too. Now you bring in Dalvin Cook, but at the same time, I just love everything I saw with Rudolph and to have him go in the eighth round. I think that's insane. And I will take him there. I don't draft tight ends always in the eighth round. Like sometimes I'll wait for my guy, Austin Hooper or something like that, or Jared Cook super late. But if I can get Rudolph in the eighth, sure, I'll take it. Why not? Yeah, I find myself a lot of times questioning between Martellus Bennett or Kyle Rudolph. I think that they're hand in hand for me, and I've kind of split them out on my best ball teams where I take some. I just I like the fact that Martellus Bennett is tied to Aaron Rodgers and that the Packers mm-hmm. don't, you know, they don't they don't sign free agents. They don't spend money, but they did. So that <laughs> says something about that. Uh, but love Rudolph. I think that, you know, we talked about it with Sam Bradford and Stefan Diggs connection that that short over the middle of the field thing. He's a red zone target. He's a big body. He was a guy that I was waiting on for so many years to finally come out of his shell. And it, it finally happened last year. And as long as the targets are there, he's going to finish as a top eight fantasy tight end. So he's about as safe as they come. So I'm with you on him in terms of overvalued. I'm going to I'm going to go on the other end here. I'm going to say that there's two overvalued tight ends and they're both on the same team. Cameron Brait and OJ Howard. You do not want either of them. Seriously, stop drafting them right now. Don't do it. (laughs) 
Okay, guys. Yeah, I, I agree with O.J. Howard. Um, I'm actually fairly fond of Cameron Bright. He was just so efficient last year, and I think he's going to get the majority. They've been doing a lot of two tight end sets, so I think Bright's still going to be on the field, and Winston just loves throwing the ball. I know that they went out and got Deshaun Jackson, but uh, I just think Bright is too good for them to not use. I'm not going to start him every week, um, but if you're in a 14-team league, I could see him being a tight end one. Uh, I'm going to move over to quarterback because I don't really have too much to say about tight end. I don't really think anyone is super overrated. Maybe Delaney Walker with all their new targets. There's like five guys that I think are underrated. Hunter Henry, Eric Ebron. I've talked about them enough. Let's go on over to quarterback. And my underrated guy, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to beat the drum. Andy Dalton, ADP number yep. 18. Every single year, he is a top 12 quarterback. Two of the past four years, he was better than Tom Brady. ADP number 18. He'll be my starting quarterback one in virtually every single league at that price. Yep, we talked about him. We beat the drum on him over and over, and I am more than okay going into your season with Andy Dalton as your as your number one quarterback. We've seen him do it before. Now he's got awesome weapons. Why not? Fire away, I say. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. The offensive line, and so there's going to be a lot of people out there that say, Mike, what about the offensive line? Because I've gotten that before. And here's my answer to you. He has answers at every single level of the field. He has the guys like Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard who can catch the dump off passes. He has the guys over the middle like the Tyler Eifert that can, that can box out someone. He has a field stretcher in John Ross. He has A.J. Green who could do everything a wide receiver that you would want him to do. So he has answers at every single level. I want to say he was number two in the, in the NFL in sacks last year. So he's not, you know, it's not like he hasn't been pressured before. There's just, you're getting a discount by, because of those offensive linemen. Take it and be happy. All right, Tags, why don't you give us one more name and then we'll let Jim finish us off with one final name. Uh, I will say an overvalued quarterback is Derek Carr. Uh, he's going as the seventh quarterback Oof. off the board. I just don't see it. And, and you know, I, I feel like, and I'm going to make a comparison here to Matt Ryan, before 2016, when Matt Ryan turned into the MVP that he was, you know, he had a phenomenal season and I'm not saying that's the Derek Carr we're going to see. I'm talking about the Matt Ryan we had before that, where he was, he was ascending every single year, but he was right around that 28 to 30 touchdown mark for a long time. I think that's exactly where Derek Carr is going to settle in. They love to run the ball on the goal line, bringing Marshawn Lynch. It screams, we want to run the ball on the goal line. They went out and signed Jared Cook, who's not very good at football, but it's it's just this is an offense that is not designed for him to throw 40 touchdowns like the guys that you're drafting him in front of. Like I would take Ben Roethlisberger over Derek Carr every single day of the week and Roethlisberger is going as the 13th quarterback, whereas Derek Carr is going <laughs> in the seventh. I um, yeah, Derek Carr is overvalued. Tags, do you have my notes? <laughs> I have Derek Carr's overvalued and Ben Roethlisberger is under. So Boom. I think we the same thing here. Yeah, we're, we're all in agreement just, here. It's insane. I remember last year telling people with the Tom Brady suspension, go get Derek Carr because for the first four weeks, his schedule was unbelievable. New Orleans, Atlanta, Tennessee, Baltimore, and he just shredded those four. And everyone seemed to think, oh, this is a superstar now. He had one other great game, 513 yards for four touchdowns against Tampa Bay, a team that just kind of gave up Wait, there. Wait, did you say 513 yards? Did he have 513 yards? Yes, he did. He had an incredible <laughs> game in there when everybody was hurt for Tampa. Besides that, he was just kind of mediocre. So everyone's talking about Derek Carr as always some superstar. He just shredded some bad teams for five games. And besides that, he's not a top 10 quarterback. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have him outside my top 10 quarterbacks. I think I have him at number 14, 13 or 14. I, I basically have him and Roethlisberger flip-flopped and from where they're being taken. Yeah, I have Carr at 11 and I have Roethlisberger at 6. So we're yeah. in, we're lock and step there. Yeah, no, for sure. And Jim, I think it's the reason, and if you're listening out there saying, why are you guys high in Roethlisberger? This guy's been up and down. This is the first time we're going to see a healthy Antonio Brown, a healthy Martavis Bryant off suspension and a healthy Le'Veon Bell on the same field together with an it's offensive line that is top five in the NFL. Right. I'm excited. I am and excited on top of to that, see Without Martavis last year, Ben Roethlisberger's ADP was quarterback six, and now we yep. have Martavis Bryant. He's 12th <laughs> or 13th. I don't get how that's, that's possible. That's weird. Yeah, I know the, yeah. the home road splits are annoying, and I get that. But sure. the upsides of when he's at home are dumb. So I will, that's an, an imperfection I can accept, and I will happily take him where he's going right now. For sure. If he has a tough matchup on the road, just seriously, just stream a quarterback that week. You'll be fine. Sure. Just yeah, pick up sure. Sam Bradford. He probably has an easy matchup. Absolutely. I'm on board <laughs> with that for sure. All right, Jim, one final name for us. Who you got? 
Well, Ben Roethlisberger was my guy, but uh, because I went through him, let's talk about Sammy Bradford. You know, Sammy Sleeves. Uh, as of this morning, <laughs> your, your Sam Bradford had a lower ADP on Fantasy Football Calculator than Blake Bortles, who is no longer Whoa, a starting quarterback man. in the NFL. Yeah. He plays the Saints in week one. The offensive line is better simply by the fact they have walking, breathing people who are playing <laughs> each right. position, which is an upgrade too. You've got great pass catchers. I don't really care about the schedule, to be fully honest. It's kind of a nice plus. But what he did last year was great. If they push the ball downfield more, which I think they can, he will easily surpass, you know, his wide his ADP, which is as a quarterback in the twenties right now. Hey Jim, uh, can we just make this a thing right now and just say that we were the first ones to say it? Vikings onslaught in Week One. You go Sam Bradford, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph in the same line, line up against the Saints. <laughs> dominate DFS Week One. I don't double stack, so uh, <laughs> I, I won't. Well, you're be fired. That, but I, I can guarantee. <laughs> In multiple turn lineups, I will have d- disgusting exposure to Sam Bradford, mixing between Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph. I think Thielen is one of the best plays on the board for week one. Nice. I'm running out the uh, jet stack against the Buffalo Bills. It's so oh, cheap, man. and then you can load up on uh, <laughs> on Le'Veon Bell. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, Josh McCown is stupid cheap, and uh, all their wide receivers are too. He's got to get at least 200 yards. He'll hit value if he does that. So oh, Bobby. Don't, That's oh, God, games. no. You're ending the show on a on saying Josh McCown? No! Please, stop it! <laughs> Jet stack, baby. Okay, that's all we have for the show. Uh, we'll be back on that next week. Jim, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it, and good luck with your upcoming drafts. Thank you, you too. And for those of you listening at home, we've got three more shows coming up next week. We've got some big names coming on, so make sure to tune in for those. Subscribe and review us on iTunes. Submit it for the signed Odell Beckham jersey giveaway from Pristine Auction to contest at fantasypros.com. And remember to get your entries in for the Listener League for the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. And thanks again to the sponsors of today's show, playdraft.com slash fantasypros and Pristine Auction. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve